Give God your best hand clap of praise. Give God your best hand clap of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. How about these musicians? We've added a guitar player back here. Bass player. Man. We got, a, we got a trumpet player coming. There's a trumpet player coming. I feel it. There's a trumpet player coming. Or saxophone. That's saxophone. There's a saxophone player coming. I don't know my instruments. I'm not musically inclined. If I was to ever sing for you, you'd say, Preacher, we hired you to preach, not to sing. Before we get started this morning, Caleb, would you mind putting the announcements back up? I just want to call everyone's attention to the announcements. Of course, you saw all the birthdays up there. There were a lot of people born in January that come to this church. A lot of January birthdays. Be sure, uh, check with Caleb. If you're not sure if he has your birthday or your anniversary, you don't have to tell him the year. I think Brother Ernie said one time, wouldn't you like to know is what, what his words were on his birthday. Somebody asked him his birthday. Someone said, he said, wouldn't you like to know? We don't have to know the year. We would like to know the day so we can recognize you. And, and we will, uh, maybe next, next Sunday or the Sunday after, recognize everyone that has a birthday and maybe do a little birthday song for them. How's everybody doing on the fast? Some of you doing okay? Thumbs up? Your spirit, your spirit getting stronger and your body getting uh, pressed down? If you need any information on what's good to eat on the fast. Connie has some information. She'll share that with you. She's waving me off. You forgot to bring it today. Didn't bring it with you. All right, but she'll get that to you. Sunday, January 31st, for the evening service at 6 p.m., we're going to have our annual business meeting. I think you'll be excited. There's been some great progress made. And the church is in good shape. Please come out and uh, attend that business meeting as we talk about what's going on. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to start in verse 1. You know, we just come off of celebrating Christmas and the birth of our Savior. But every day we should be celebrating the fact that He didn't stay a baby. He grew up and He became Savior of the world. And we should be uh, recognizing that each and every day. Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And I want to read it in a couple of different versions. I'm going to read it in the King James first, and then I'm going to read it in the English Standard. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. A little more plain English here. In the ESV it says, Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Father, I pray that as I preach this word this morning that you've given me on prayer as we preach the word and talk about the uttermost importance of praying and praying the right way this morning. Father God, I pray for that special anointing to flow upon me. Lord, I pray that hearts are prepared to receive it. And Lord, that as, as this message is presented, as people hear this word preached, that Father God, their eyes, their minds, their hearts are open. And that when we leave this place, those of us that need adjusting, and Lord, I always need adjusting, you know that. You're always constantly guiding me and showing me. But as we leave this place, that we make those adjustments that you deem and, and speak to us that may be necessary in our prayer lives so that we may be more effective kingdom builders for you. And that most importantly, 
that our relationship to you grows stronger. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to talk about prayer this morning. We've called a season of fasting and prayer and asked for those that were able in the church to join uh, us in fasting and prayer. And I know several of you are doing it. And some of you are, are fasting various things. Some it's food, some it's electronic devices and social media and things like that. But if you're just fasting and giving the stuff up and you're not increasing your prayer, then if it's food you're giving up, you're just dieting. You need to increase your prayer life as you're fasting from the food. Prayer is so important. Prayer changes things. How many people know, how many ever had prayer change something in their life? Amen? How many of you ever been so down, so out, you, you, you've tried to figure things out on your own, and as humans, that's what we try to do. We try to work things out in our mind before we take it to the Father. And a lot of times we'll ask everybody else to pray for us, and we're not even praying for ourselves. Prayer changes things, folks. The Lord has laid this message on my heart, and it, and it, and it burns within me this morning on the importance of prayer. And not just that we pray, but that we pray the right way. There are many people today that, that don't use this privilege we have. You see, when, when Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave on that cross and was ascended out of that grave on the third day, the, the, the temple veil rent. And the song we sung this morning about going in to the, to the holiest of holy places. Going in to that, dark, that, that deepest place with the Lord. We have the right to go boldly before the throne of God and put our petitions before them and ask Him to do things for us. Ask Him to give us wisdom. Ask Him for healing. Ask Him for guidance. Ask Him for financial blessings. Ask Him for whatever we need. We have that right to go before Him because of the work on the cross. Jesus bridged that gap that had been formed. And we have the right to go boldly before Him. But it's so sad. There are so many Christians today that don't spend much time in prayer. If the only time you pray is on Sunday when you come to church, what kind of relationship is that? If the only time I talked to my wife was once a week, she wouldn't like it. Our relationship would suffer. If the only time you talk to your spouse, your significant other, your children was just once a week. How would they feel? Prayer is the way we talk to God. Prayer is the way we fellowship with God. Prayer is the way we communicate with Him. And so many people, I know why people don't pray. The Lord told me the reason that people don't pray is they think they don't know how and they let the devil convince them that they don't know how. As long as you've dealt with the sin in your life, you can go boldly to the throne room of God and ask Him for anything that you want. He's going to answer your prayers. Sometimes it's yes. Sometimes it's no. Sometimes it's not now. You're going to get one of those three answers. Yes, no, or not now. And when He says no, trust me, I am so grateful to God for unanswered prayers. Somebody wrote a song about that. I think it's a country song. What's wrong with our pastor? He keeps bringing up these country songs. I'm sorry. I grew up listening to country music. But unanswered prayers sometimes are what we do need. And, and unanswered prayers are because we're praying for something that God knows better that is not good for us. We're going to talk today about prayer. We're going to talk about how to pray. We're going to talk about how not to pray. And we're going to, let's just start right up front. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 and let's talk about how not to pray. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 5. How not to pray. How many of you had, ever had your parents teach you? This is not something you should do. Now, don't do this. They'll teach you how not to do something. This is not the way you do it. You don't touch the hot stove. 
Some of us had to touch it anyway. Some of us were knuckleheads, me included. How not to pray. Verse 5, chapter 6, it says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into the, to your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Okay, so some of the don'ts there. First of all, it's pretty clear. We're not supposed to make a public spectacle of our prayers. We pray corporately in church. We agree on prayer. That's a different thing. But if your only time you're praying is in public and when people can see you or hear you, your motives are skewed. There's something wrong with your motives. If the only time you talk to God is when you're in public or when someone else is watching, we were watching the episode of the Waltons. We've got the Waltons on. We've got all 11 seasons or ever how many there are. We were watching it. Grandpa Walton was saying a prayer at the dinner table. And he was, he more or less turned this prayer into somewhat of a he was teasing the kids. He knew they were all hungry and they were ready to eat, so he just drew it out and he thanked God for everything he could think of to thank God. He drew that prayer out and made it a very, very long prayer. And they're all biting it to bits because they're wanting to uh, start their meal and start their fellowship. Sadly, today, there's a lot of families that don't have fellowship around the table anymore. There's, there's, there's great benefit in that. But he says, don't just pray to be seen. Don't just pray so that someone can hear you. The hypocrites do that. That's for public spectacle. He tells us that if we really want to get, get to Him, go into the secret place. Get in your prayer closets. That's where real spiritual warfare happens. Some of y'all seen that movie, The War Room, right? That was spiritual warfare. She had her sticky notes all over the walls of that closet where she went into prayer. Now, now your prayer place doesn't have to literally be a closet, but it should be a private place. It should be a private place where you can commune with God and without distraction and you can lock in. Some people do their best praying in a church. That's fine. If you've got a key to the church or if you ever want us to let you in, we'll let you come up here and pray at the church if that's what you want to do. Some people, that's, that they feel more comfortable there. But you can make your altar, you can make your place of prayer wherever you can make it, it's private. I'm so glad that I can kneel down by my bed or I can kneel down by my chair in my living room or I can pray as I'm going down the highway in my car. I spend a lot of time, it seems like, driving. So when I'm driving, I try to take advantage of that and have those conversations with the Lord. But the important thing is, is to dig in and pray and commune with God. Don't just put on a show for somebody else to see. Amen? The second thing that, that he brings out there, he says, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases. Some people think if they keep, keep asking God over and over and over, it's okay to remind God of what you're praying for. But we don't need to cry out in desperation to God. Sinners call out in desperation for salvation. Saved people pray in faith. Come on now. Saved people, the church who's saved and in relationship with Jesus Christ, we should be praying in faith, making our needs known, trusting Him. We don't have to beg Him. We don't have to beg God. We don't have to keep praying repetitious prayers over and over. God knows what our need is before we even ask Him. Once we let it be known to Him, we trust Him with it. We thank Him for the answer that's coming. We may put Him in remembrance of His Word, and, and we'll get to some of those basics about prayer. But we don't need to beg Him. 
We don't need to just say things over and over. And there are certain groups that, that think they can say certain phrases over and over and, and get God's attention. Clearly, this is red letter in my Bible. Do not, do not heap up empty phrases just to be thinking you'll be heard by your many words. Say what you need to say in faith. Believe it, that you're going to receive it. God will hear that prayer. He will honor that prayer. You don't have to make a big spectacle out of it. Amen? We don't cry out in desperation to God. Sometimes I know our emotions, because we are human. God knows we're human, and God does know our hearts. And sometimes, when things come down on us, we might yell out before we stop, drop, and think, and then pray. Sometimes our emotions get us, and we may cry out to God. And God understands that. But the best kind of prayer you can offer to Him is one in absolute faith, trust, and belief from a pure heart. And God's going to hear that prayer. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Alright, so don't be crying out like sinners do, but ask boldly in faith. The Word tells us that, that, that we have that authority. Let's, let's read a little further there. Verse 9, we'll read on down. And I know I read this a while ago in Mark, but I'm going to read it again in Matthew. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. A lot of people have said this, this, this prayer doesn't say much. And it doesn't tell you that's exactly... I'm not saying you just pray the Lord's Prayer. This is a method of praying. First of all, you address the Father who is in heaven. You are seeking heaven. You are seeking God Almighty who is above all the earth, who is above all of mankind. You are knocking on the doors of heaven when you seek our Father. That's relationship. Our Father. He becomes our Father when we become adopted into the family when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. He becomes our Father. We are adopted by Him. He is our Father. We show Him affection when we relate, refer to Him as Father. How many of you, when you pray, pray Father God? How many of you ever pray Father? He likes to hear that. He likes to hear that. It's kind of like when, you're, when, when your kids climb, climb up in your lap and say, Daddy, Mama, and your heart just melts and they get anything they want. They know how to work you. But we're doing this from a pure heart, from the sense that we truly see Him as our Father, our spiritual Father, our Heavenly Father, who has delivered us from the evil one, our Heavenly Father, who provided a way to reunite us with Him. We have access to Him because of Jesus' work. He's our Father. We are exhibiting our adoration, or our reverence, or our respect for Him. When we call Him Father God. We are showing that we respect Him. We admire Him. We trust Him. When your kids call you Daddy or Mom, they're, they're saying that from the heart. They're saying that because that, that's what they feel most comfortable. Now, as your kids get older, don't let them start calling you by, their first, by your first name. Some kids today try to do that. That that. that respect, and it teaches us when we pray, Father, when our kids talk to us, we want them to talk to us with respect. So we should be addressing God with respect. Verse 10 says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
We're asking for heaven to come down to earth. We're asking for God to fix some mess that we have here on this earth. And we're asking it to be right like, like things are right in heaven. Whatever we pray for in heaven can be down on earth. You've heard the saying, whatever is bound in heaven will be bound on earth. Whatever is loosed in heaven will be loosed on earth. We're praying for heaven to come down and be among us and to take action and for things to change and be made more what they should be. We're asking for heaven to come down. Verse 11 talks about daily bread. This is where we talk about our needs. Food, clothing, healing. Give us our daily bread. Give us what we need. Lord, provide for us. Give us our provisions. And it's important to do that. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a a sample prayer to use, a sample method of prayer. He wants us to be taken care of. He wants to meet our needs. When we ask Him for our daily bread or we ask Him to meet our needs, He wants to fulfill those needs. He loves us. If He loved us enough to send His Son to die for us, don't you think He loves us enough to throw us a pound of baloney or a loaf of bread or a roof to go over our head? He loves us that much. And we we were singing about the love of the Father this morning. We were singing about going into the holy place with Him. He loves us. He wants to give us those good things. Verse 12 puts a condition that must be met for our prayers to be answered. It talks about forgiveness being required for our prayers to be heard. We can't be holding on to some unforgiveness, some hard feelings, or something else. It blocks our prayers. It blocks your prayers. And He even says, if you want your trespasses forgiven, you want your sins forgiven, you've got to forgive other people. And we've studied in times past, uh, in Wednesday night one time, I know we were doing the thing about the unmerciful servant who didn't want to, who wanted his debt forgiven, but didn't want to forgive the debt of someone that owed him a much smaller amount than he owed the king. You know, we want God to forgive us. We want to be in right standing with God, but sometimes we hang on to hard feelings against other people. We've got to let it go. We've got to forgive others. It's a must. There's a place where Jesus talks about when you, when you bring your gifts, if you realize you have ought against your brother, go make it right. Go make it right and then come back. Because it's all in vain. If you're talking to God, asking God to bless you, or asking God to bless someone else, you're interceding for someone, it's real hard for your prayers to be heard because it's coming from an unforgiving spirit. It's coming from a spirit that may be tainted with with hard feelings against someone. We're not even supposed to have hard feelings against someone. It's more than just not forgiving someone. We can't just keep people uh, where we got hard feelings. Here's a way to tell if you've got unforgiveness in your heart. I'm just going to be honest with you. If the mention of someone's name makes you cringe, there may be something there you need to let go of. If the, if the mention of someone's name, I want to say it again, if the mention or just thinking about someone who's hurt you bad sends things through you, and you got, oh, not Homer. Nobody in here named Homer, right? Didn't think we had any Homers. I wanted to use that name. But if the name of Homer just drives you up the wall and you start having these nervous feelings or you start feeling this anger welling up in you or something, then you're probably harboring unforgiveness. That unforgiveness will affect you when you're trying to pray. It will affect you. You've got to let it go. You have got to let it go. If you want God to bless you, you want God to answer your prayers, you want God to move on on someone else's behalf that you're praying for, even if you're praying for someone else's needs and not your own, if you want God to hear your prayers, you've got to be in perfect right standing for Him. You've got to have let things go. You know, sometimes, and I know I'm not the only one that's done this, some of you probably experienced this. Sometimes when you went to the Lord in prayer, you found that you had to confess some stuff first. Whether it was unforgiveness, whether it was something that He brings to your remembrance that you did wrong, you got, oh Lord, forgive me. 
I was a little bit rude with that person or whatever. I, I've had things like that happen. Not often, but sometimes. So we've got to let that go. And we've got to be in that right standing. We've got to be pure. We've, we've got to make sure that we let it go. And then in verse 13, he talks about asking God to help you overcome temptation and evil and sin. If you know that something is tempting you, if you know that you have a weakness, first and foremost, you need to try to avoid that thing, whatever that thing is. If you're tempted in the flesh, I don't know whether it's pornography or drugs or alcohol or whatever, it, whatever it is, you, you avoid that stuff. You've you got to work with God. You can ask God to help you, but God gave you a brain too. And you've got to let your brain work with God's wisdom and God's mercy and God's grace and get through this thing by doing your part and working with God. We pray to ask God to help us. And, and, and that's, that's also asking for God to help us through tough times. Those times that we're supposed to be praising Him through, even though we're not praising Him for the bad things that are happening, we're praising Him for walking through those things with us. And we pray to ask Him to help us, but we've got to work with Him and let Him help us. How many of you ever tried to help your kids do something and they didn't want to let you help them? They just had to do it themselves and then they fail. If you just listen to mom or you just listen to dad. Well, mom, dad, my mom and dad both used to try to do that to me and I, I was kind of, had, had a free will and, and that's what it is, a free will. <laughs> and I had to try to do things my own way. And I figured out after I had failed, if I would have just listened and worked with and paid attention to careful instruction that my mother and father was trying to give me or some other grown up, a teacher perhaps, or a, a ball coach, or whatever, if you listen to them, they usually, there's something about living more years than, than the younger people that makes us a little smarter. Young people, I know when you hit 13, you, you, you are very smart. Or 18. Or 20. Pick a year. There's always someone that's lived longer and been through more than you have that might be able to share something that would help you overcome some pain. When we ask God to help us, God's been around a lot longer than we have. And He'll be around forever. He's, in etern He's eternal. Okay? So He knows what's good for us, what's bad for us, what will help us. He knows how to help us get through those temptations. But we've got to listen to Him. And therein lies the problem. This, this free agent status that we have with it because of this free will sometimes causes us to want to do stuff and not work with God. We work against God. If we're truly asking Him to help us resist evil, help me, Lord, not to fall prey to that weakness anymore. And, and, and there's some of us that have, have some weaknesses that if we don't watch ourselves, they, they can come back and get us. We know that. Whether it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever it is. If we truly ask Him, then we got to to help us, He will help us. He knows your heart. He knows if you really want His help or if you're just saying that. And if you fail because something you do wrong, don't blame God. You might have to confess it again. You might have to go back and ask God to bring you, uh, forgive you and, and give you another chance and ask Him to continue to help you. The second time, if you keep making the same dumb mistake over and over and over, that's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. So listen to the wisdom that God gives you. He will protect us from evil. You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a sinful world. But you know the good part of that? There is nothing that can happen to a believer, a, a child of God, as long as we keep our trust in Jesus, what can they do? Kill our body. Big deal. They can't condemn us to hell. If we're a child of God and we're walking with God, even if, our, if we lose our human life, big deal. We step into eternity. We're with Jesus. That's, that shouldn't be something that scares us. None of us should be afraid to die. If we're truly walking with God, there is no evil on this earth in heaven. Be afraid of the one that can condemn your soul to hell. And Jesus Christ is the righteous judge. He's going to be sending some people to that awful place one day. 
He's sending them. They earned their way there because they refused to take the free gift of salvation offered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? Everybody, everybody tracking with me? Y'all's getting awful quiet. Am I talking too much about bad stuff? We need this stuff, don't we? Alright, the third thing I want to talk about. He tells us how to pray. Let me give you some practical application. Look, let me read on a little further there before I get away from it. Verse 16 is talking about fasting, which we're doing right now. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen of others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fast may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And at this particular time, fasting has always been something that people in both the Jewish religion and the Christian uh, faith have done. He's telling you don't make a spectacle of it. Just like you don't make a spectacle of your praying, don't make a spectacle of your fasting. Just seek God with a pure heart. Let Him do what He wants to do in your life. Let's talk about applying prayer to our own lives more specifically. Let's look more specifically. I want to turn to the book of James. James chapter 5. Practical. Here's where the rubber meets the road, guys. Here's, here's where I give you that, that, that practical how-to. This is how you do it. Actually, I'm going to start and read in verse 13. I know I got, I told Caleb 16, but I want to read a couple of verses earlier. Let me start in chapter, or, or in chapter 5, but let me start at verse 13. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, He will be forgiven. Verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. We pray for each other. Sometimes when we pray, notice that that key verse there, 16 says, The prayer, and I think in the King James it says, the the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The prayer of a righteous man or woman will get much done. They will be heard. That's what they're saying. They will be heard. Sometimes we got to check our righteousness and make sure that it's true righteousness of Christ through the forgiveness of sin covered by the blood of the Lamb and not just self-righteousness because we go to church. Come on now. Y'all know some churches just full of those self-righteous people. They think they look down their nose at everybody that walks in the door. I am holy. I am pure. I am saved. I'm going to heaven. And I'm sitting here on this pew till I get there. There are some people that have that kind of attitude. You've seen them. Not in this church. I hadn't seen not one in this church. Praise God. I hadn't seen not one person that seemed to be self-righteous in this church. Sometimes we got to check our righteousness though and make sure God has a way of humbling you. If you get a little too cocky, get to acting like, in a, like one of them old roosters. You know how cocky a rooster is in the barnyard? He's king of the barnyard. Some of y'all got chickens, you know what I mean. That old rooster thinks he, he's, he is so proud, he is so cocky. Some of you deer hunters have seen the way bucks strut sometimes. Bucks have that kind of attitude when you see a buck deer. As a Christian, we don't need to be cocky. We don't don't need to be showmanship. We need to be humble. We need to be seeking God in faith out of a clean, pure heart. Step one, check your righteousness. Check your rightness. Do you have the steps up? Oh, good, you got them. Step two, 
Be careful who you pray. Thanks for putting that all on there, Caleb. Step two, you need to make sure who you're asking to pray for you. I want someone praying for me who believes in the power of God. I want someone praying for me who's going to pray the will of God and is going to pray in faith believing and they're not going to be looking at circumstances. They're not going to say, well, praise God, he's got stage four cancer or whatever. God, please heal him. I don't want somebody like that praying for me. If that's the way you pray, please don't pray for me. I want someone praying in faith that I am going to get healed or that, that, that whatever's coming against me, take authority over that, that thing that's coming against me. You need to pray in faith, believing you will receive. And you need to make sure that you're careful who you get to pray for. Number three, sometimes we need to put God in remembrance of His Word. Isaiah 43, 26 says, Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. Remind God what His Word says. Lord, Your Word says that healing is the children's bread. Your Word says by Your stripes I was healed. Your Word says that You've never seen the righteous forsaken or out begging for bread. Your Word says You'll supply all my needs according to Your riches and glory. Your Word says that if I confess my sins to You, You will forgive me. Your Word say, says, if I pray asking and believing that whatsoever I ask for, I'll get it. As long as you're not asking amiss, that's true. Sometimes God has to say no because we're not praying right. Amen? Or He knows that it's not good for us. We may be praying right and think we know what's good for us. Number four, you need to have regular prayer time. Regular prayer time. Not just on Sunday mornings. Not just when you sit down to eat a meal. Lord, thank you for this food. Mm, nourish it to my body. Amen. My wife don't let me get by with just that small amount. Of, oh, honey, I love you so much. Mm. She hears it more than once a day. She hears it more than just when we sit down to eat. It doesn't need to be limited. We don't need to be stingy with our time with God. You can talk to God anytime. When you get to where you're walking in the Spirit and you're walking close to God, when you're really digging in with God, you get where your prayer time, you're in a state of prayer, a mind of prayer a lot. Now, I don't want to say 24-7, but a lot. You just It becomes habit to you. Second nature to talk to God. Like he's sitting right there like he's your best friend. Man, I know people that went through rough times that locked in with God and they said that, that they almost would talk to God like he was a person sitting right beside them and he would bring them through those rough times. But have those regular times. Number five, pray believing you will receive. And you've heard the scripture about speaking to the mountain. See, I think I got it. Written down here. Mark 11. Mark 11, 24. Mark 11, 24. Flip back here to Mark 11. Let's, let's read this. Mark eleven twenty four says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, Forgive if you have anything against anyone so that your Father also in heaven may forgive your trespasses. And we've talked about that before. You've got to pray, believing you'll receive, and you've got to pray from that humble, forgiving, pure spirit. Amen? And it says the same thing in, in, in Matthew 21 as well. Alright, number six. Have a regular schedule for reading the Word. Pastor, I come to Wednesday night services and I come I come and hear you preach on Sunday. I come and hear you teach on Wednesday. And uh, I get a devotion on the internet. I would submit to you, you probably need a little more than that too. Get on a regular schedule. Connie and I are on the Bible in one year plan this year. 
I've never done that. I've never read the Bible straight through. I've read the Bible several times, but I usually study it sitting around fishing. But I'm doing a systematic reading of the Bible plus all my other studying. But you got to have a regular time. You, you eat on a regular basis. You feed your physical body on a regular schedule. You need to feed your feed your feed your spiritual body on a regular basis. See what happens when you try to talk too fast. Your tongue gets wrapped around. So you need those seven, those six things. And then this seventh thing, I'm going to illustrate it. But there's seven key things about prayer. And I number seven is to have a list of prayer points. Caleb, did you put a, that sample prayer list up there? I'll give you a sample prayer list. This is kind of how you should organize your, your prayer. The first thing your prayer should always start with is praise and thanksgiving for His goodness, His mercy, His grace, His provision, and previously answered prayers. Always approach God in humility and a state of mind It says enter His courts with thanksgiving and praise in your hearts. Enter Him, enter into your prayers that way. Try to always remember don't just go to him like he's a genie in a bottle. Oh Lord, grant me three more wishes. Go to him with praise and thanksgiving in your heart. Number two, you need to be praying for your church. Pray for the families in your church. Pray, pray for growth and development and protection and provision of the church. Pray for people to earnestly be seeking the gifts of the Spirit. Pray for people to be realizing their potential in God. Pray for your church family. Pray for your pastor. Pray that, that, that he's protected. I'm telling you, every week when I get done telling y'all the truth of the Word, the devil starts attacking me. I need your prayers. I covet your prayers. That's the one thing it's okay to covet is people's prayers. I need your prayers. Don't ever forget to pray for me. And I'm not asking you to pray for, for necessarily that for a bunch of stuff. I just pray for my protection. Pray, pray that God keeps me safe. Pray off the attacks of the enemy that come at me, especially when I, when I get one of those messages that really gets you, that really helps you. Then that's when the devil comes at me harder because, because we're, we're making progress in the spiritual realm. And when we're making spiritual progress, the devil attacks people who are involved in that. That's why we, we studied in Peter. Think it not strange. When, when these things, strange things happen to you and these attacks come. When you're doing right and you're living for God, it's not a matter of when you're, if you're going to be persecuted or if you're going to be tempted or if you're, you're going to have these things coming at you and attacked by, by the very darkness of hell. It's when. It's going to happen. If you're trying to do right for God, you're going to get these attacks. So pray for each other in the church, especially our people that are teaching and our youth leaders and our children's leaders and Pray for them because they're, they're sowing seeds. They're making progress in the kingdom of God. And even you, when you start witnessing the average smoke, if you're witnessing for God and stuff like that, the devil's going to start attacking. So pray for each other. Pray for, for, for those that you know are constantly out there speaking for Jesus. If you're not being attacked, you're not a threat. Number three. Pray for lost souls, family, friends, co-workers, etc., etc. Whoever God puts on your heart. You need to be praying for the lost. Our great commission is to get that gospel out there. We've got to be praying for these people that their hearts are prepared to even receive it. Some of them, their hearts are so hard, you sharing the gospel with them at that point is a mute point. First, you've got to pray that their hearts are made soft to receive it. That, that, that it's good soul that you're about to plant those seeds of the gospel into. You've heard the parable of the seed. Be praying for them. Every one of us probably know at least one family member. In my family, i got more than one that needs the Lord. i got several in my family I can pray for. Every one of us probably has at least one friend that we know needs Jesus. Are we, we're not fruit inspectors, but we don't, <clears throat> we don't see fruit. And it appears they could benefit good dose of Jesus. We've got friends like that. We've got co-workers we work with. Are we praying for them? Or have we given up? Maybe we should quit talking about them and start praying for them. Let me say that again. 
Maybe some of us have got so used to talking about our friends and family and co-workers and how bad they are rather than praying for them to become good. Rather praying that God would touch them, God would draw them. These easy to do. Our human nature, because we're not a real patient people here in this microwave generation that we live in where instantaneous gratification tends to happen. And if we've been praying for someone a while, there's times sometimes that we give up. What if the person who was praying for you to get saved gave up the day before you got saved or the week before you got saved and you didn't get saved? What if? What if the person that broke down that wall that was keeping you from acknowledging and hearing the truth of the gospel What if the person that was doing that spiritual warfare on your behalf had quit just short of you getting saved? Folks, I'm telling you, some of us have prayed for people. Some of us, we go through stages, we're human, where where we quit praying for them. But I've got some family members that I prayed for and sometimes I get lax, but I've got to remember to stay focused on praying for them instead of giving up and just talking about how bad they are. Because I know each one of us can relate to that, or that co-worker, or that neighbor. So keep, keep that up. Number four. We need to pray for our missionaries. We listed the five missionaries that we currently are supporting financially. You need to be praying for them. And I was humbled because I've had one of those missionaries contact me personally and ask me, what can I pray for your church about? And I gave them a couple of things that I believe that we're in need of. Number one, a lot of healing. And that we would grow. I'm not talking about just numbers. That we would grow spiritually in the kingdom of God. That we would mature as a church body and grow in the development of our spiritual gifts. But I actually have had missionaries. We need to pray for them. They're on the front lines and, and they're getting attacked just like a pastor gets attacked. They need your prayers. They, they, yes, they need our financial support, but the prayer support we're running top cover, so to speak. We had a ter- term in the military called top cover. Uh, like the fighter jets that fly around presidential aircraft. They're providing top cover for that plane against enemy. When Air Force One moves, there's always fighter jets around providing top cover. Our prayers over missionaries provide them their top cover against the evil forces that would try to come upon them, especially when they're going into uncharted ground with the message of the gospel. We need to be praying for them. I also want us to to pray about receiving some more missionaries. Over the the next few years, we need to increase the number of missionaries we support. A missionary-minded church is a church God can bless. We're supporting them financially and we're supporting them prayerfully. At one time, this church had a wall full of people they were supporting. But the church, based on tithes and offering, can't do it all alone, just on tithes and offering. So pray about it and see, well, maybe God would challenge you. Give up a cup of coffee a day or something and throw a couple of dollars in the offering plate dedicated to support missionaries. Start giving your missionary offerings above your 10% tithes. Get bold. Give $10 or $20 a month to missions or whatever you can afford to do, whatever God lays on your heart. And as that starts happening, as we see that those mission offerings increasing, then the church board and the pastor as we bring missionaries in. Because I've got at least three missionaries right now begging me to come and speak to y'all, hoping we would support them and take them on. But we've got to see that you guys are willing to support them. So so try to be missionary-minded with your money, your prayers. If we start seeing the missionary offerings coming up, then the church can afford to bring on more missionaries. And as we do that, I believe God's going to bless this church. Every church that's been mission, missions-oriented has always been blessed. When this church was supporting all those missionaries, that wall that's downstairs with all the missionaries, no, this church was booming, wasn't it? Don't ever forget missionaries. Very important. Number five. Notice I put your personal needs last. <coughs> Here's something I've discovered when I'm praying. 
If I do these steps, back up to number one, Caleb, please. If I begin my prayers with praise and thanksgiving, if I, do, if, I, if I come into His house with praise and thanksgiving in my heart, when I come into His presence when I'm praying, if I begin to pray for the church and all the families in the church and, and all the people in this church, if I begin to pray for lost souls, family, friends, co-workers, etc., and I pray for missionaries, by the time I get to number five, by the time I get to poor little old Wally's needs, a lot of times my needs just don't seem that bad anymore. And I've even got to the point where I want to ask for me and then all I can say is, well, thank you, Lord. I know you're taking care of me. All of a sudden, because I've prayed for all these other things, my needs don't seem so bad. I pray for wisdom quite frequently and Lord knows I always need wisdom. We always need wisdom. But I'm getting where, where as I'm seeking God for other people's behalf with the right mind and the right heart, when I get to my own needs, they don't seem as big. And it's easy to say, well, thank you, Lord. You've already met them anyway. I'm really not as needy as I thought I was. And sometimes you may be. And please, don't be afraid to ask God for something you need. But remember those, those basics. Ask, believe, and you receive. And if you're going to ask people to agree with you on something in prayer, make sure it's someone that's really going to agree. And someone that will say a prayer in faith. Folks, prayer is not hard. So many of us back away from prayer. I know when I first became a Christian, I was reluctant to pray because you know, I'd heard people pray in church and they seemed to be so eloquent and organized. and They even had that enunciation in their voice. Man, I'm just plain old American hillbilly. I talk like I talk. But God knows that. God don't want me coming to Him with some fancy prayer anyway. God wants me to come to Him in a humble spirit. He wants to come to me in, in, in adoration and praise and a humble spirit. He wants for me to be unselfish by praying for others. He wants me to be mission-minded. And then, when, he come, when I get around to asking for what I need, most of the time, either they've already been answered or the need is not as great as what I thought it was or I just mentioned it to him and I said, well, Lord, I know you got it. You, you know, That's kind of like it said. He already knows what you have need of before you ask him. But when you put your effort forth first to praying for everyone else and put your needs last, they just fall into place. God's cool that way. God's neat that way. Amen? Give God a hand clap of praise this morning.